This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Just a quick follow-up. What's a voicemail? I'm only it's like a text, but with your, with your yeah. face? Yes. Got it. everyone my name is jen my name's abby and this is amuse bush back in the studio for season three season three we're in a different studio we've actually never been here before i had a hard time with that i don't know Parking i had like a little bit of affection good. for that old space given that's where we were we, were we started. started yeah um and parking was free parking <laughs> was abundant and free yeah. and here i just spent 15 dollars. it was 14 don't be dramatic it was 14.95 jen maybe you should read the decimals did you see i didn't see 95 Okay, well, I had 10 hours, so I'm going to be here a while. All right, cool. We'll find somewhere to get cheese and wine after Yeah, Yeah, is right across the street, so we Oh, could. that's true. Ah, uh, boy. Well, to kick off our first uh, episode of the season, season three, we have a very special guest with us. We have a very special guest that we just met during our very special end of your big blowout yeah. amazing experience. <laughs> With Phil, Th- Phil Rosenthal. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. From an evening with Phil Rosenthal, we were calling on folks from the audience to ask questions, and it was just, it was destiny, I think. I like to think it was destiny that we called on this lovely woman in, in you know, one of the rows out front, and uh, we have Heidi Bellato here. Food and travel writer extraordinaire <laughs> and culinary expert. Heidi, welcome. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here, and how fun that we should meet, that Phil Rosenthal should bring us together. Absolutely. I love right. it. Yeah. It, it was probably my favorite moment of the night where, you know, you, you stood up and said, I'm a food writer, and he goes, oh, have you met my friends? And I know. And gestured over to us, and <laughs> we literally networked there from the stage, and, and of course, we raced back to see you after the show to try and exchange cards and, and learn more about you. It was you. great, and, and we have pictures, and... And in my fangirl la-la land that I was in that evening, because it was Phil Rosenthal, I gave you all a card, but did I give Phil Rosenthal a card? <laughs> no. So we need to, I need to network back to yeah. that. Yeah. He we'll needs make to sure we, we tag you both in the <laughs> yes, same post. Perfect. Absolutely. Perfect. To make sure that we don't miss that connection. We're, <laughs> we were told that he is willing to come on the podcast. We're still working out some scheduling Yay. with that. Um, I think the, the, Folks who were responsible for setting that up, I think, just had a wedding. So yeah. <laughs> other priorities. Not that I'm that stalking are... their Instagrams <laughs> at all, but I'm going to give them some time to come down. I uh, mean, you think about your priorities, and like for me, Amuse Bush is number one. Yeah, but I guess weddings. Other are people's close. love is like really low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Heidi, uh, it's a pleasure to have you in the studio for us to learn a little bit about what it is that you do and the contributions that you've made to our budding little food scene here, not just in Charlotte, but obviously within the region. Um, yeah. So we'd love to know, again, like in just looking at all of the things that you are involved in, there is a ton, but what, what's your background? What was your history that sort of brought us to the Heidi we have here today? Well, I've been doing it a long time in Charlotte, and, and um, I came... I grew up in Florida. I came to Charlotte to go to school. I went to Queens, then college, Uh now university, then a 200-person women's college, very (laughs) teeny, but it was perfect for me. It was the perfect little place. I got a degree in early childhood education, but I always loved to cook. Mm -hmm. And I used to laugh, and for people that have been through sorority rush and Greek life and all that, I was a member of a sorority there. And I think I'm the only person ever in the history to say, but could I see the kitchen? (laughs) And, and, you know, I don't care about the boys and the mixers. And I mean, I cared about all that, but I really, well, I, I wanted a place to cook. Uh, so I've always loved to cook, and um, and I have a degree in early child 
childhood education. And I taught for a couple years, and then there were no little children. I taught kindergarten. There just weren't children, and the Charlotte-Mecklenburg school system was narrowing down, and I kept getting interim jobs while people were on maternity leave. But I worked one summer at a kitchen shop Mm -hmm. and a cooking school, and that just hit a bug for me, and I loved it. Um, my teaching background, I am convinced, is why I can teach adults to cook. Yeah, because much like just, kindergartners. I mean, well, I was you know, say, just, they're actually worse because now they're just on their phones constantly. Well, yeah, and, and that was before all that. Yeah, this was in the in the seventies, and, um, and I graduated from Queens in seventy nine. So I've been in Charlotte that long, mm. and um, but have loved it here. Mm. And uh, and then one, basically, I just never said no. One thing happened, and then another thing happened. My parents um, helped me at the time, and I opened a kitchen shop in a cooking school that was called the Charlotte Roose. It was on Independence Boulevard, you know, where the, I don't even know if it's still there, where the Comedy Zone used to mm-hmm. be. Yeah. So um, that's where I was, in that little strip center, and um, it was great fun, and I was the only game in town. My biggest competition was the Williams-Sonoma Catalog. Wow. <laughs> so I sold the first Cuisinart in Charlotte. I sold the first set of Calphalon cookware, if you know what that is. Oh, yeah. Yes. So, we are um, intimately. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> Very good. And um, so I loved it. And then one thing just led to another. People would would say, can you, can, will you teach a private class? Or can you, will you write for my magazine? Will you write for my newspaper? And I just kept saying yes. And that is why you had asked me about being, why my bio says culinary expert. It's because when you're the only game in town for however, whatever that window is, and you want people to come to you, you tag a line. And that's what I did. And, And I became a culinary expert. I mean, I knew how to teach people how to cook. I knew about restaurants. Um, I wrote for a <laughs> revving <laughs> engines outside. It's like they can yeah. see it. Really dramatic yeah. <laughs> revving right now. <laughs> so I, um, I wrote for a newspaper and uh, that was a, a tabloid, not a tabloid paper, but a tabloid size weekly paper, no longer in business. And um, and I did their food articles. Yeah. And the restaurant person left, and my editor said. Can you know anybody who would like to write about restaurants? And I said, well, how about your food person? Me, me and too. And so that's really <laughs> how it started. That's really how it started. And then since then, I've written for several publications. Now I freelance. I write for a lot of people yeah. across the state and the region, and I do a lot with chefs. My jam is really local food. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're local product. Yeah. We share that jam. Yes, yes. We also share another jam, which is saying yes. Yeah. That's, yeah. you know, our, our background in, in improv has always been saying yes. And I also, you know, think that that is brought way into our yeah. philosophy and our lives as well. And, and taking risks and meeting new people and trying sure. new things. And you never know what where it's going to take you. It opens opportunities. And the worst, you know, I always say to myself, I used to say, what's the worst that can happen? Now I always say, what if it works? Yeah. That's the best thing. And that's the great thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that speaks to, I think, all of us as female professionals, too, that I think a lot of times women are sort of tricked into going back and thinking they're not qualified for something. Mm. But saying yes and figuring it out anyway, even if you aren't 100% sure, but just trusting your own capabilities and your own instincts is what's going to get you much further than waiting for the exact match of an opportunity to yeah. Abs- and making connections going out and meeting people going into restaurants and introducing yourself to the chef or mm-hmm. asking if you can come back and talk to them yeah. um you know very different when i started very different than what it is now i mean there weren't a million people there was no social media there was print 
Yeah. There were publications. There were... And Abby, um, newspapers <clears throat> were these things <laughs> that you used to get on your doorstep oh. every day. Absolutely. We'll talk about okay, it. Okay, yeah. yeah. Tell Absolutely. me more. And magazines. My dad used to talk about the funnies. Yeah. Were the yes. funnies a thing? Yes. It's like memes, but printed on oh. paper. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And um, so I, I, you know, you just make that effort. You represent people. You tell. My thing about restaurants was I always said, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to just take a press release mm-hmm. that XYZ just opened up and here's all the things they said in their press release about themselves. Mm-hmm. So so at the time, there were only three food writers in the city. There was me. There was Helen Schwab, who wrote for the um, Charlotte Observer. Kathy Purvis yep. also wrote for the Observer. But Kathy did food and Helen did restaurants. And then there was Tris Childress, who wrote for a publication called Creative Loafing. Mm-hmm. And the, that was the three of us, me, Helen, and Trish. And we sort of made this pact that we said we were not going to go eat anywhere until they've been open for two months. Yeah. That's great. Because you got to, I mean, you know, Work it's somebody's livelihood. Yeah. And, and you got to give people a chance. Yeah. I am not the person who's going to put nails in somebody's coffin. Mm-hmm. I'm just not. And and if I went and it was a terrible meal and I'll go again. Mm-hmm. And if it's still terrible, probably I'm not going to write about it. Yeah. And yeah. and I it was just not me and it that was everybody I've ever written for has understood that. Mm-hmm. And I used to say if you're going to tell me go here, you have this is your assignment. You have to write about this restaurant and it's not good. I'm going to say they have absorbent napkins. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm not going to gonna, I'm just not going to throw somebody under the bus. And, and we kind of have a similar perspective in that you know, we, we agreed early on, like, we're not food critics. Mm-hmm. That's not our job here, right? We're interested in the stories of the people who are in this city and, and what they're doing and what their goals are and, and the great food that they make, if that if that is something that they're doing. Yeah. And, and we, the stories are unbelievable. Yeah. They really are. We I think we had no idea when we first got started just how broad that, that pool is of, of unique stories within mm-hmm. the city that can sometimes, I think, especially in years prior, could feel a little bit stale, right? Yeah. But I think it's just taken off in such a way that, I mean, it's we could keep going and going and never run out of, of stories to tell. And that's the goal. <laughs> There's a lot of people in the culinary industry, even with the pandemic, even with restaurants closing, even with people deciding to change careers. So many people are still coming to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. There's little pop-ups and cool food trucks and neat little hidden gems yeah. everywhere in the city and really and truly across the state. Yeah. And um, and it's just so fun to... to open those up to people. Yeah. I love it. I yeah. love doing that. And being a positive force for that, to your point, Yeah, we knew that, again, we, we didn't want to put anything negative out. So we have had those conversations like, this wasn't great. Maybe we just leave this out. Or, you know, to your point, if it's not going to put some positivity out in the world and shine a positive light, we just don't need... It's like, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Mm-hmm. Right. We're going to move on. And I think that if you're going to be a restaurant critic, which I have been. Mm-hmm. There have been periods in my time where I did that, and I gave so many stars or pieces of broccoli or whatever <laughs> the little symbol was at the time. Um, then what you have to do is is it has to be unbelievably fair. It's not a book. You know, when you read a book and then you write a critique about it, that book's not going to change the next mm-hmm. night. Yeah. But it's like going to the theater. The theater could be different from one night to another. A restaurant mm-hmm. can be different from one night to another. So if you're going to write a real critical review – a critique, you have to go several times. Mm. They have to not know who you are, mm. which for me got very difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, 
and they have to you have to get treated like everybody else and you have to taste everything you can't pick the you can't go in and say okay but i don't eat chicken i don't eat fish i don't eat yeah. please and, leave the sauce on the side you yeah. know you can't do that and walk me through you know this kind of experience anyway so when you're uh, a food critic coming with your sunglasses on, so nobody knows who you are. Have to go incognito. Um, do you do you say like I'll have one of everything, and then are they like this one? Hi, no, you know. Or, <laughs> so here's what this, I, how does so here's what happened. Through? Here's what happened. So remember, I told you it was me and Helen Schwab, mm-hmm. and Helen, at the Observer, was very good about keeping out of the limelight. I really like being in front of a camera, <laughs> so I wasn't both, so <laughs> great about that. But um, and I do a lot of TV, but um, but I. It, it, when we all started, when we were just starting, nobody really knew what Helen looked at. Like, but chefs have told me that our pictures were all in restaurants, in the back, uh-huh. in the kitchen. So when we came in, they would know. So after a while, well, I never tried to do a disguise because after a while, people know who you are. It's a small culinary community. It was back then. It's still relatively in the is, grand scheme yeah in the big scheme of things and and I said if I wear a wig in somewhere they're gonna go oh look Heidi's here in a wig <laughs> and so I'm just not that's just not me yeah, really. it's not the New York Times you know you have to sort of think okay what is it we're doing but I wanted to be fair to restaurants so so what would happen was people would here's how you knew that they knew who you were people would come over and say is the temperature all right for you in here? Mm-hmm. Like, how many times has anybody <laughs> right. ever asked you that in a restaurant? Right. You know, is the air, None is yet. It, is the air conditioning <laughs> going? Time. Or they would start bringing you things. Like, we just like to send over mm-hmm. this little amuse. Yeah. Or we would, we would here's a cocktail, here's a this or that. And, um, and then one time somebody said to me, um, you know, here, we're trying to decide which of these drinks to feature. And so here are three drinks. So I'm there with four people because I can't go and eat everything on a menu and I had never worked for a publication that had a budget where I could keep going back it it was important to me so I did but you know that is not a great Mm -hmm. financial plan to spend more money than you make on a job (laughs) so um but I did it because I was being critical and it's it's somebody's livelihood Mm -hmm. and so um this person brought me these three me not the other four people at the table me these three glasses and said you know, let us know which one you like, and we'll just call it Helen's Choice. Oh, my God. <gasps> so they knew it was a food critic, but, but they didn't get the right one. Wrong oh, no. <laughs> and that used to happen to us a lot. And then one time, years ago... Uh, one broccoli. We were, all, yeah. Yeah, we were all three in the restaurant at the same time. And we three all saw, saw each other. And, you know, you just have to laugh because the poor chef. Was yeah. that planned? It was no. Just, oh no, God. no. We just... It was a new restaurant, and it was Gene Briggs, who was the chef... And um, it was we. He walked, and he knew all of us. So, like, you know, so he walks on. out. That's exactly <laughs> what he did. He walked out of the kitchen. I think just to kind of look around at what was happening in the restaurant. It was a new restaurant, and honestly, I've forgotten the name of it. But um, it. He just kind of threw his hands in the air and looked at all of us. And like, you know, <laughs> kitchen is closed. So sorry. Know, whatever. <laughs> Technical so, and he's a great chef. I love him. He's been a. I've known him for years and years and years. And. Um, and it was funny. And the funniest part was the three of us had such very different points of view, not about the food, but the place was really um, uh, sparkly and pink and 
um, mirrors and stuff. And I said that it looked like Barbie's dream house. <laughs> and I loved that about yeah. it. And, you know, then somebody else said it was overdone and, you know, so it was, it was an interesting set of reviews because they all came out in the same week. These <laughs> days we'd call it Instagrammable. Yes. Millennial pink. TikTokable? I don't know. And, you know, we never, nobody took pictures then. You, you sent a photographer back after the fact to do that. So, so you weren't sitting there with your phone at the table. Yeah. Does it feel like everyone's a restaurant critic now? Yes. <laughs> Everybody thinks they are. Yeah. And 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 that's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody certainly is entitled to their opinion. But you have to be fair. You well, have to keep those things in mind. It yeah. is somebody's, you know, it is, it, what if somebody came into your home tonight and you cooked and, and I mean, and you just had a terrible day. Mm-mm. And, you know, you just never know all the things. And I'm not excusing somebody not doing their job well, but... Things happen, mm-hmm. and if you're going to write a critique on Yelp or on Instagram or on a Facebook group or on wherever else, you need to go back several times. You need, if you had a problem, you need to tell that problem to the manager yeah. before yeah. you tell all of social media, mm-hmm. because people will fix things that are really and truly wrong. Well, that's what I think is so interesting about what you're describing is that you were coming at this with a sense of, of values um, mm-hmm. to to show up in a certain kind of way. And um, I think that's what's interesting about the culture nowadays is that, you know, with with influencing, it's a it's a self-driven, you're marketing yourself a lot. Right. And so it may, might be more difficult in that environment to be thinking beyond, you know, What's that going to get you? Is it the number of clicks? If this is more inflammatory, is it going to be more popular? And therefore, you know, and, and so I think it's really, it's really nice to hear your perspective about thinking about the bigger picture. It's not purely you just putting together the output. It is about the holistic experience and the fairness, like you said. You're not just for hot takes. It's very easy to say mean things. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You have to be more thoughtful to be – to be kind, but it's not hard to be kind. Yeah. And and if it's not good, just don't write about it or go back or try to find a solution before you start telling everybody. And this is this is how I feel about it too, and this is kind of why I was comfortable with our approach as well, is that when I've been to a place that's not good, they generally don't last that long. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. other it, it it comes out. And that doesn't mean that that individual didn't have a great concept. It doesn't mean that they are not capable of cooking great food. It could have just been the time, the place. There are so many things. And mm-hmm. there are so many chefs here in Charlotte who had a concept that fell apart only for their next one to become extremely successful. So exactly. it's also thinking about that bigger picture and the bigger journey. And also, this is a really rough industry for people to mm. take risks in. Mm-hmm. It is. And it's expensive. Mm-hmm. People yeah. put their life savings into things. They mortgage houses. They you know, they do all of that. And, and when it doesn't work... It's hard and it's sad and it's sometimes demoralizing. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's why we need to support all these locally owned, chef-driven restaurants. And um, and there are lots of them in Charlotte. And they need people to go there and, and give them good feedback yeah. and mm-hmm. so that they can make what they do better. Absolutely. I'm certainly interested in that. Um, so speaking of... Obviously, you're, you mentioned yourself um, having a love for being in front of the camera. <laughs> so what's your experience been like? How did you get involved in the in the TV side of things? And I know you've done some pretty impressive interviews uh, with some some chefs. So I have been so fortunate. Drop some names, Heidi. Uh, Who well, you got? So, so my coolest one, I always top this list. And, I, and sadly, this was not in person. But I interviewed Julia Child <gasps> twice. Oh, my, oh my gosh. And um, on the phone. 
And in a time, you know, when phones still had cords attached to them and they were attached to the wall. And and what, what is I remember, yeah. um, it's like your cell phone, but it's stuck in one place. Oh, got it. Yep. And there's a dial Ooh. that goes around that somehow people can't figure out how it used to, like, how does it know? But so, um, but the, the, um, she had, had just re-released, it was the 25th anniversary of Mastering the Art of French Cooking. Mm. And I got a note, a card. I mean, I was a food writer. I got a card that said, you know, Judith Child and Judith Jones, who was her publisher, were available for interviews. And I just like flipped over. This has been my hero since I was a teeny tiny yeah. little girl and used to watch Julia on, um, used to watch The French Chef mm-hmm. uh-huh. on PBS. And I would, um, and my brother and I had, our bedroom shared a bathroom. Mm-hmm. And it had, a, it was probably way too much information. Let's but go. Anyway. We love it. Get so into it. Your we, face is lit we, up right now, and I'm already excited. Yeah. This is such a happy memory yeah. for me. So um, uh, uh, there was a medicine cabinet, like a really thin medicine cabinet that went across this kind of mid-century modern bathroom and with one sink, and then the bigger mirror on top of that. And when we were little, we couldn't see in the bigger mirror. So my parents mirrored the medicine cabinet. Mm-hmm. So it's a really long uh, medicine cabinet. And so I could see myself. So I would go into, I would take random stuff from the kitchen in the bathroom. And I would sit at the sink and pretend like that was a big bowl. And I would be Julia Child. And I would sit in front of the mirror and put salt in there and pepper and all, you know, stuff I was allowed, like I wasn't allowed to open a can. But I was pretending to be Julia Child. And, And my parents really encouraged that. And, and for my brother and I, and let us both cook whatever we wanted to. They took us out to restaurants and didn't ever say to us, oh, you won't like that. Don't order that. Uh. They let us order things, and 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 not fancy restaurants. I mean, like the S&W cafeteria, yeah. but I ordered liver, and nobody said to me, no, I don't think you're going to like liver. And I didn't love the liver, but they let me order it. Yeah. And as long now, as I would take try the other, it. Yeah, I was going to say, did they make you finish it? Not, not finish, but okay. try. Good. As long as I would try it. And then, and so we both were great eaters. We learned to cook a lot of different food. The first thing I ever cooked, ever, was es- when I was 10 or 8 or 10, escargot. What? And because... Julia Child made it. Were they like from the yard? Like, did it rain and you just went out and collected a bunch? And where no. are you getting? <laughs> so, so I have to back up a little bit. My father, um, when I was growing up, owned Kentucky Fried Chicken franchises mm-hmm. when the Colonel was still there. So the Colonel was at our house many times. Oh wow! And this Royalty. has been written about a lot. <laughs> Get over here, Julia Child. The Colonel's coming. So in. wait, yeah. Before <laughs> Julia Child was just on TV, but the Colonel was in our living room, and um, so because he was in the food business, we would go with them to food conventions. And so we'd go to Atlanta, which was a big, we lived in, uh, I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. And so Atlanta was the big city. And then we'd go to Chicago and we'd go to these big cities and my parents would take us to fancy restaurants and we'd get dressed up. And I, my brother a little bit, but I wanted the stuff that came with equipment. Like I want all the little forks. I want all the tongs. I want Mm -hmm. an escargot meets oh, yeah. all of that criteria. <laughs> so um, so I had seen Julia Child make it. I had ordered it in a restaurant before and loved it because, you know, there's bread and garlic it's butter. A, it's and a what garlic is there butter not to, conveyor belt. It's a vessel yes, for delicious yeah. things. So my mother 
took me to probably like a world market kind of place. And, and you could buy the escargot in cans, which I don't think you can buy anymore. Mm. And, and all the stuff, like the trays with the little dips in them yeah. and the shells. And I have every bit of that. And I've had it probably for 50 years. Oh, these are heirlooms now. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. yeah. And, and, um, and so I made that for, my, for dinner for my family. But what I didn't think through at the time was that there needed to be other food in a meal. So oh. my parents sat there in a escargot, like piles of escargot, oh. because I just oh loved the gosh. whole shebang. And, um, and it just kind of took off from there. And I've really forgotten what your original question was. I don't but, even know. Your parents are my heroes. We were talking so. about the Julia Child <laughs> okay. interview. So Julia Child, then I, I interviewed, I used to pretend to be her. Then I got to talk to her. And, and I was sitting on my sofa on the phone way before social media and, and thinking to myself, I'm talking to Julia Child and nobody oh. knows it. <laughs> and so she had, her, her secretary had set up the interview she um, called me at the wrong time, I think because she was in California. I was mm-hmm. in, the time thing got messed up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I wasn't home. And so at the time, there were cassette uh, answering machines. Yeah. That's and where you would leave your voicemail. <laughs> got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is making <laughs> me sound ancient. And just a quick follow-up, what's a voicemail? I'm oh, only it's like a text, yes. but with your, with your yes. face? Yes. Got it. I'm only 110. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, but anyway, she left me this message on, my, on this little cassette that said, um, Heidi, it's Julia here. And, and I saved that for years. I hope so. Like, yeah. Until I wore it out. And, um, but then we talked and she asked me questions. Like she asked me what kind of knives I used. She asked me what kind of, she said, I understand you have very good fried chicken there. <laughs> and oh, and I, oh, yes. I mean, I just remember every bit of that interview and I've written every August, which is her birthday. I write about it. So it's, oh, there's probably so four or five blog posts on my blog, but, um, uh, so I interviewed her. I interviewed Paul Bocuse. Oh, nice. Well, he, he came to Charlotte yeah. and I, he would not speak any English, but he, he understood, yeah. and he had a translator with him, and he did a dinner um, at um, a place called Bistro 100, which was at the Bank of America Center, mm-hmm. and um, which is now Founders Hall. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was the only food writer who went to interview him. Wow! And so why was, was I it took nobody was invited? Was no, it no, 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 no. People just didn't weren't interested. What? For whatever random reason, it's really now hard for me to and, understand. And it could have just been timing too. But there also you have to keep in mind there were three of us. Yeah, yeah. there weren't a million food bloggers. There weren't a million whoever else, influencers or all of that and all the, the magazines that publication. She must so, have been in a restaurant. <laughs> she was probably. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to speak for Helen. But any, what I know <laughs> Helen, is, call us and tell us. I love Helen. I love Helen. <laughs> we love she, Helen. But but what um, what I know is I'm the only one who went to talk to him, and then I went to the dinner, and he. Um, he gave me, when I went to speak to him, they have these plates. If, if anybody's ever been to a Paul Bocuse dinner, Paul is, uh, Bocuse is not alive anymore. But when he used to travel and do these dinners, you got this plate that had like a signature. Um, it was a little chef caricature of him on it or a French onion soup bowl. One mm-hmm. of those two things was yeah. like your little giveaway. So he had these plates and he wrote on the plate um, uh, in French, you know, thank you so much, or, you know, bon appetit, Paul Bocuse, or something like that. So he gave that to me in the interview. And then I said, then the dinner that he was doing was the next night, and I said, it was a, uh, the first interview was on Friday, the dinner was on Saturday night, and I said, you should go to the farmer's market here. So even then, I was like, you know, and that was, the Charlotte Regional Market was, was as big as it is now, but, but not 
well attended, mm-hmm. not, not many vendors, all that. So he did. So I took Paul Bocuse to the Charlotte Regional oh Farmers Market with two or three chefs from Bistro 100 with the, the gentleman who was traveling with him, who was a chef in, at a restaurant in Chicago that was a sister restaurant. And we all went. And I can remember um, Tim Grudy, who was at the time um, a chef at Sonoma uh, and still a chef in Charlotte, came up to me at the farmer's market and he said, do you know who you are with? Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, I do. <laughs> and um, But I have great, it was so much fun and I have great pictures, but not in my cell phone, so I have to go dig through boxes now yeah. to find this well, what, picture. What day can we come over and dig through those boxes? That would be great. That would be amazing. I would love it. They were so much fun. He stayed at the Duke Mansion, and we took all these ah. photos. Like at, at, We sat in rocking chairs outside and had yeah. coffee. And, so it was lovely. And then then at the dinner that night, he gave me a second plate oh, so that you got a had like a little heart in oh. Bocuse spelled oh. with a heart. It was very sweet. turn to stay in touch with the city around you. Broadcast news isn't what it used to be, and commercial radio doesn't scratch that itch. If only there was one place you could get it all, when you want, wherever you want, on your schedule, there is the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city on your schedule at queencitypodcastnetwork.com and everywhere you get your podcasts. And um, so I have those in my office. But uh, and then then a lot of other um, now see the problem with reeling off a list is you forget names. But Mm. but uh, I've had the good fortune to interview a lot of other people. Robert Parker, I interviewed and uh, who was a big wine Mm -hmm. person Mm -hmm. and um, um, Heidi Barrett, who's a big wine maker. Mm -hmm. And Bob Foley is actually a good friend of Mars. And and he's like a he's a do you know who Bob is? Do you know Bob Foley? He's think, a yeah. he's a rock star winemaker. Yes, and I'm a big um, wine. Yeah, uh, yeah. You probably have quite a collection, then, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> we friends. really need to we're go over to your over. house. <laughs> we're coming over. We're t- my husband Tom and I always say we're very fortunate that we have friends who have great wine collections. That's fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair. But Bob is a wonderful person and has been great. And it doesn't last very long in my house. No, so. no. Um, a fun fact: Paul Bocuse was the inspiration for the chef in Ratatouille. Yes. In case that's yeah. of interest to you, you say he had the little like cartoon character yeah, of himself yeah. and that. Exactly. Yeah. From well, the now there's a big competition called the Bocuse Door, uh, which is held ev- every year or every other year, maybe in I think in Lyon, and in France, and um, and that he started that. So now his That's family amazing. runs that. For yeah. him. That's Are amazing. you looking it up? As I did. Speaking? Yeah. I'm it's learning so much. This is my yeah. favorite kind of yeah. episode because I yeah. learn a bunch of things. It's we, an incredible, incredible yeah. um, thing. Um, and. So speaking of little cartoon characters, uh, who did your logo, Heidi? Because it is a radiant cartoon image of you with this bright orange hair and a beautiful smile, and it's just fantastic. Yeah. So I have to know who who did the artwork My for you. My dear friend, Jill Seal. Okay. She is a graphic artist here in Charlotte. She does uh, marbleized fabric. Oh, wow. You should follow her on Instagram. We Jill shall. <laughs> Seal is S-E-A-L-E. It's J-I-L-L-S-E-A-L-E. 
and um, she you see her 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 work is everywhere. Her she has a pillow in the new Oprah magazine. What? And um, so is she's that one of her really favorite cool. things. In <laughs> fact, do you remember? I don't know if you if this will ring a bell with the two of you, but um, there was a series of napkins. She used to do a lot of trademarked. Um, um, signature work for that you see like in Hallmark stores you know like when you or in stores like that where you go in and there's like the whole all the watermelon plates it's like a whole watermelon theme and there's a watermelon picture so she did things like that so um and she would design those and so um uh she did this series of napkins called um I think they were called none for the road (laughs) and it's all nuns that are doing so there's like sister Mary Margarita and sister (laughs) this and and, you know sister I don't know I don't know them all that's a good but that's Jill (laughs) and um and she's very talented and we were sitting around one day and she just drew that truthfully on a napkin And then she drew it on a piece of paper, and then we put pink stripes behind it, and I have little square business cards. And I have one. The best thing I ever did because, and see, and Phil doesn't. We're going to make that happen. Needs a card. (laughs) So, um, uh, but people remember it, and and I love it, and it it um, it does sort of look like me, Uh, and my hair now really does. Like it's it's obviously a caricature in its most ways, but. It just makes like looking from the cartoon eyes to your eyes. It's the same expression. Like oh, thank I, you. I automatically just like you and want to talk to you. Well, that's it. Is yeah. that it exudes so this sweet. joy and enthusiasm that that truly is you, Heidi. Like it, you really are. You're so oh, so blushing. uplifting and exciting to talk to. We're just having well, a blast. Well, thanks. This is so much fun. This doubles as therapy. So yeah, <laughs> your copay will be collected on your way out. Yeah. Um, but okay, so we've got some other questions to get to, Abby. Yeah. What do we have next? Uh, I'm super curious. You know, we talked about a lot of those local chefs and stuff. Can you share a little bit about um, any opportunities that that may happen around here for like chefs to compete against each other? Are there any? Are there yes. any things like that? I I contract with the NCRLA, which is the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association. They called me um, seven years ago. And said they wanted that they had an, uh, a two-day conference they were doing, and they needed an evening event. And at the time, Top Chef and all those programs were really big because mm-hmm. they had just yeah. all started. And um, and could I put together an event for them? And by the way, this was June, and the event was in August. Boop. And so what I did was I said yes mm-hmm. because that's what I do. Because you say yes. <laughs> yes. And and I the the NCRLA is a wonderful team and they do a lot. They are a lobbying group for the hospitality industry mm-hmm. in North Carolina for people the who don't know mm-hmm. what they do. So hotels, that's hotels, bars, restaurants, and they do a tremendous job. And um, and so I said yes. And so what I did was I called twelve chefs I knew across the state because you had to be able to cook for 200 people and, mm. you know, put out food and all those little plates, which is really pretty commonplace now at big festivals and things. Yeah. But, and I made it a competition and it was a one night event and they have continued gratefully to contract with me every year since then. So we are now, this is our um, seventh year. Wow. We missed a year, of course, because mm-hmm. of COVID, but eight years, seven events. And um, it is uh, presented by the Department of Agriculture, so awesome. that's got to be NC. The emphasis is on local product, and it's a competition between chefs across the state, pastry chefs across the state, mixologists, and distilleries. So oh, yeah. it's about all the local you can have on the plate or in the glass and the story behind it. Uh, it is sort of a clandestine event because while we compete from uh, March to 
August, across the state, all of those competitions are private events. Mm -hmm. So it is a chef and three judges or four judges sometimes and media. And uh, but the media just cover the event. They don't and we don't show what anybody makes, because if you cook, um, if you come and you cook the f in April and you present a dish to the judges and then Chef XYZ comes and cooks in in July, we don't want them to see what you made. Right. That's not fair. Mm -hmm. So um, everybody just celebrates the local farms and producers and crafts people who we like chefs. Um, put things on local plates, locally made plates and local vessels. And yeah. and uh, it's really a wonderful opportunity. And the call to apply for chefs, mixologists, distilleries, and pastry chefs will be sometime in late February. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I think so we're we know some excited. folks who probably need to throw I'm their hat in the ring. So well. the 2020, um, what year is this now? 2023. So the 2022 um, Chef of the Year is Oscar Johnson, oh. who owns Jimmy Pearl. Yes. yes. Yeah. We love yeah. Oscar. I feel like I must have seen those Instagram yeah, posts I think then. you're right. Maybe I just didn't so realize people can that that's follow, what it was. To catch up with it, they can follow me, and uh, but they can also follow the NCRLA Chef Showdown. On it. And it's all in there. And it's, um, it's really a cool event, and I love it because it's celebrates chefs who may not always be in the spotlight um, across the state and it celebrates every little farmer from you know teeny little places to big farmers you know about yeah. all the time you know so it's not just big like um uh of course now I can't think of the name of a big farmer which is terrible but you know it's <laughs> not it's you not know. well it's not big North and everybody's yeah. from North Carolina yeah everybody's from North Carolina so it's not just big farms it's little farms little producers all of that so given that this event goes on for a good chunk of the year how is it decided obviously if you're choosing all local so like seasonality would I'm I'm sure have a big sort That's of impact point. on what you cook as a if, if you're a chef so or whatever. So here's the huge benefit in the state of North Carolina. There is local produce and local proteins and local products all, all year, year long. Mm -hmm. Farmers farmers don't grow just in the spring when yeah. they have summer and summer when there's cucumbers and tomatoes. So there is a variety all through the year, but there is always local beef, local pork, local goat, local seafood, local um, uh, you know, local tempeh, local tofu, local, all of that. Yeah. There's mm. always, all, always proteins. Um, there's always a variety of produce. There's always spices. There's always North Carolina wines. There's always North Carolina beers. There's, so all of that is incorporated. Mm. And, um, and depending upon where, so competitions, we start with this application to apply. We'll have about 70 or 80 people apply. We narrow it down to 60 people. 60 chefs compete in Asheville, in Charlotte, in the Triad, which is Winston-Salem, Greensboro area, in uh, the Triangle, Raleigh, Chapel Hill, um, and Durham, and then at the coast. Mm -hmm. So the chefs, what's local at the coast is going to be different than what's yeah. local in the mountains. So we cover this wide variety of produce, proteins, and product. And, um, and then... Uh, there's five regional, five preliminary rounds, and then we narrow based on scores. They're narrowed down to 20. Those 60 are narrowed oh to gosh. 20. Those 20 people go on to compete in the regional rounds. Those same 20 people go on to compete in August at an event that the public can come to. Great. And tickets will go on sale. Yep. I want to go to that. And I'll come back. <laughs> I know. I'd love to have you there, and I'd love to come back and talk to when we get to yeah, that point. Because absolutely. then we'll know who that is. Yeah. And same thing happens with mixologists and distilleries. Mm -hmm. And um, and then at the event, there's People's Choice Awards, and it's tons of fun. Okay. And a great way to celebrate the culinary community I across our state. And beyond 
amazed and excited about just the concept of this. And I also just really love that this is the type of thing you alluded to this, that not every chef either wants to be in the limelight or has the the knack for that kind of thing. And this gives everyone an equal opportunity to show what they're about Mm -hmm. in, in their in their way using local products. And I really love that because, you know, not everybody wants to, to get out there and, and yeah. do the the big showy kind of stuff. And that is fine. But those are the folks that are most often featured in things. And, and that doesn't have to be that way. Someone can win um, an amazing ex- uh, competition like this and, and get a lot of that um, awareness after the fact just by showing up and doing what they do best. Absolutely. And we've met a lot of chefs and found a lot of products based on the sous chefs who come. Mm. So, you know, I may be the chef in the limelight, but my sous chef is there, and then the sous chef meets a farmer who's there or another chef, and then they come and apply the next year. It's it's really been uh, an event which celebrates a lot of the youth uh, in our culinary world in this state, and a lot of the um, older chefs and more established chefs, so the Keith um, Keith Rhodes and... and um, Ricky Moore and uh, people like that are our judges. That's great. And so they come and, and to see these younger chefs get accolades from these guys who they followed and respected oh, and yeah. loved is such a happy event. And now you're uh, creating a new those. level for, mm-hmm. for when they're retiring. And what happens an- is it puts our state in the limelight. Yeah. So you know, then the Food Network calls. And then you know, we have so many chefs that have been uh, to on Food Network mm-hmm. programs, not be, only because of the Chef Showdown, but but it you know all of that creates awareness of the culinary community we have in the state of North yeah. Carolina. I'm sort of floored that I haven't been aware of this, and I'm a little angry because I feel like I've lost some opportunities here. But I'm going to be. I think. August is going to be. A- I can't wait. But I also think about this the way I think about my family and their obsession with birding, in that. They come visit me and we go for a walk and they see things and, and call out things that I never even noticed. I didn't even know that species of bird was in my yard. And that's what I love about, you know, an entire subculture of a yeah. subculture and of so a culture. I love that. Scratching you know, the surface. My yeah. husband, Tom, is a musician here in Charlotte. And, but he, is, and he knows a ton about more raptors than, than songbirds. Mm-hmm. But he has made me so aware to look up. Yeah. When we when we go for a walk, when we are driving, when you know, just to look up, then you see, you know, eagles and hawks, and it's very yeah, cool. A whole other world. We're getting so much good advice here today. I know, I'm just going to keep writing it down. <laughs> so, 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 tell me this: Is there any anything else other than you know the amazing showdown for applications that are going to be opening pretty shortly after this mm-hmm. episode airs? Um, is there anything else coming up that that you're excited about that you want to share on the podcast? Yes, I'm sure there is. <laughs> <laughs> what a great list! Question. Them all in sequence. So just to say that um, lots of farmers markets this year in the Charlotte area um, are open with winter hours. People don't always know that. Yeah. The regional Charlotte Regional Market just announced that they are going to be open. Their their new plan, not just winter, but moving forward, they are now open Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Five days. So you, it's not just a Saturday thing. There are definitely more local farmers there on Saturday, but... You can, if you miss Saturday's farmer's market, you can still shop local any other day of the week. And as um, they build this, there will be more vendors out there. Yeah. And this is the so, place on York Mont. Yes. Uh, yes. My office is down the street. I used from to there. go every Friday to pick up fresh peaches when I worked over at the my corporate oh, office great. there. It was amazing. And 
Well, where was I going to go with that? What a great question. Oh, man. So then there's the Uptown Farmers, I mean, if I start listing again, but there's the Uptown Farmers Market. Mm -hmm. They're they're on a new winter schedule. There's the uh, the Davidson Farmers Market, the Matthews Farmers Market, the South End Market. There's a market at university. There's Cotswold Farm. There's tons of them. There's one down in Ballantyne. Like everywhere you go, you're going to, you can get fresh produce, local produce. And and what happens when you do that? You, You support a local farmer. And so your shopping dollars stay in our community mm. and help to build our community. Yes. And that is sort of my, you know, mission to, to yeah. let people and not just I mean, there's people that make peanut butter and and uh, kombucha and June drinks and, and soap and like and other soap really and interesting and all things. kinds of things. And um, and it's really wonderful. So that's what I try to write a lot about. Yeah. I do. All, so I would say follow my blog. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go ahead and sh- tell people okay. how they can get to your so blog. So that is HeidiBellottoFood.com. It's that's B-I-L-L-O-T-T-O. I'm sorry. No, no. You, you, you were going to do that You know it me. better than me. So, so HeidiBellottoFood.com. Um, and you, people can subscribe and, and then the blog post goes right to their there's door. And, and I write a lot about, I do a lot of roundups about like, here's five things to, five things that are gluten-free. Here's five, and they're all North Carolina products. Mm-hmm. Here's five Things that are that you know are great for spring or five, you know I do a lot of that. Yeah. Five ways to drink local, five ways to eat local. Right at the top, I'm seeing cheesy rice grits with Tidewater Grain Company. So oh, did you know we had rice in North Carolina? I mean, I feel like I knew, but it's something that like I just don't appreciate because I don't know anything about it. Tidewater Grain Company is the largest producer of rice, um, and and they were the there's some little, smaller farmers that also grow Carolina Gold Rice, which yeah. is the first rice original to the Americas. It's amazing. It's the very first rice. Yeah. And a lot of it grows in South Carolina. Yeah. And, and But now in North Carolina, for the first time in 120-something years, and um, it's a fabulous product. And they also have a really good rice flour. Oh, excellent. I have a lovely I, photo on I, here, and it's yeah. making me hungry. It's yeah. every two hours. It's Listen, almost due. Yeah. We have talked so much about all of the, the many hats that you wear, Heidi, but you know we alluded to that you love cooking. So I have I got do. to know, what are some of your like signature dishes, your favorite things to cook? Um, I like to do everything. I, I cook seasonally. Escargot. Mm-hmm. I, escargot. escargot. <laughs> okay, so I have to, you know, full disclosure. My husband is a pescatarian, mm-hmm. so oh escargot was not on the list oh. for him. But, um, but I, um, and I haven't really cooked that for a long time. But, mm-hmm. but the, um, I love to eat seasonally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like to try a lot of different things. I do love Asian food, mm-hmm. and I like to experiment a lot with that. Gosh, that's such a hard question. I love to entertain, yeah. and I teach a lot of cooking classes. Yeah. So, please I, tell us more about that because yeah. I think we're in a we're in a spot where like some of the cooking classes that we've been to are maybe too intro level, where it feels a little bit like I want to learn something but still have fun. So I'm in a weird like in between right. phase, you know. Right. So because my schedule's changed a little bit before COVID, I did a ton of open to the public, you know, you make a reservation, you pay, you come do a cooking class. They were all hands-on classes Mm -hmm. and um, you got a packet of recipes, you got some fun swag from the Department of Agriculture and you, um, you got to do it. And then we did wine pairings and my good friend, uh, Josh Villapondo, who owns a sorted table wine shop at, um, so, so he and I have been working together for years and years and years and he would pair wines with, with things that I would cook in class and, and come and do a wine presentation. Since, uh, the pandemic, um, I've and since the fact that I now travel a lot for Chef Showdown events because 
I'm in a different city yeah. when we're going. Um, I don't do so many open to the public classes. I do many more private classes. Okay. So a group of friends could come. I have families that want to come, okay. you know, like a couple that just got engaged and both sets of parents maybe come. Oh, I do a lot crazy. of those in my yeah. home. I do tons of corporate team building events. And and I'll start back again now doing some, some more open, you know, like food and wine of France. We'll do that. Oh. Or or okay. food and wine of something. You might have to save us a spot. We were already planning to go to her house anyway, so, yeah. it's so clearly it's working out. It's really, really fun. And it's you're in a home, and so it's... You know, it's just having friends over to cook. And yeah. just the other day, I do this all the time. My neighbors, I, I live in a little cul-de-sac, and there's lots of smaller children. And and I don't have my own kids, but they, but I have lots of children around me. Yeah. And um, and so my little neighbors came over, and they said, Miss Heidi, would you feel like baking something today? Oh. <laughs> and so we made cupcakes and ice cream cones. There's a story about now, by the time this airs, it'll be back, but I'll People can go back on my Instagram yeah. feed, and we made cupcakes in ice cream cones. Oh, that's precious! And they, you know, it's two kids and a mixer, and yeah. I have a little three-year-old niece who's going to be four who just wants to come over and cook. And the other day, she said to me, "Heidi, we here's what I want to cook next. We could just do snacks. <laughs> we don't really need anything. You just need food." Heidi, She's here's what I'm thinking: tapas. Yeah. snacks, yep. yeah. snacks. Got so, um, so it's fun. So I cook with kids. I cook with adults. Um, and I have a blast. I really do love what I do. And I love that I do so many different things that all kind of tie together. Yeah. So, and in my cooking classes, I cook with all local products too. And I do a little bit of catering, um, and that I do all local stuff as well. Um, and I write about chefs who cook with all local yeah. things. So, Honey, how much sleep do you get every night? Uh, not a lot. That's yeah, I wondered about that. Like Leslie, sleep. nope, I got a full 40 yeah, minutes. Exactly. Yeah, no, I sleep, I, I kind of hit a wall about 9 o'clock at night, and, yeah. and I'll sit on the sofa, Tom and I'll sit on the sofa to watch TV, and I'm out, <laughs> and then he wakes me up about midnight to go up to bed, so I've already had a good three-hour nap. Oh, good. This is and, my people. Um, this is exactly yeah, what me. Abby does. And then I get creepy. up about 5.30. Yeah, I get up about 5.30 in the morning, and then that's a good time for me to write yeah. and work and, and do all of that. Well, I'm usually up at the same time, so just text me. We'll just chat. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. That's perfect. Well, plan now, our, our adventure at her house, yes. please. Um, you mentioned your uh, Instagram. So what is your Instagram handle so folks can follow you there, too? Sure. So at Instagram, I am at... Heidi Bellotto, H-E-I-D-I-B-I-L-L-O-T-T-O. On Facebook, I have two pages. I've got my regular Heidi Bellotto person, mm-hmm. personal page where I put a lot of business stuff on, but also Heidi Bellotto Cooks. And, um, and that's a good place to find out about all the things I do or a lot of events going on in Charlotte. You know, I'll post those or repost from chefs. Yeah. You know, so. what's funny about this is that, you know, normally at the end of an episode, we do a pay it forward and we ask about, you know, what are your favorite eats and drinks in the city? But Heidi, that is all this episode has been about. <laughs> and that's amazing. It's I boundless. love it. I love it. If there's anything that we've missed, like what are some of your maybe top top meals that you had in 2022 or, oh, or new so restaurant? No, it's so hard. Or a fun story about Phil when you met him. Oh, or, yeah. <laughs> oh, so, you know, Phil, the funniest thing was that I just never, I, I was so gaga, I just never said, and I would love to interview you when here's my card. Yeah. And, but I've, gone through his website and I've done all that so I hope you know that that works yeah. I would love to I just think we would be friends and and it would be wrong for me to say I do what he does because he does it on a huge a much much bigger scale but that's what I um, aspire to do across the state of North Carolina to make people happy to talk about food and and 
in a happy, friendly way where You're where you see it, where people you. bring it yes. brings people together. I mean, from this conversation, I aspire to be you. So, oh, so this, I mean, well, you, yeah. we're all cut from that same cloth, right? And my my husband was talking about the audience at the Phil show and how how much kindness was radiating off of that crowd that's so different from any other crowd that size. It's just infectious, right? Whatever that attitude is of putting kindness out into the world and finding ways to connect with other people, that's ultimately all it is on a broad level. And he does it. Uh, Yeah. And and what I loved about it was everybody who wanted to ask a question, myself included, started by thanking him. Yeah. And, And people love what he brings to the table, mm-hmm. pardon the pun, but but they really do, and and I think everybody wants to be more like that, and it's just so not hard to do that. It's really not. It's really not. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Well, again, we are incredibly fortunate to make connections with people in the industry, and so we obviously have Phil to thank for connecting us in a subtle way. But thank you so much yeah. for spending some time with us and giving us just the surface of <laughs> everything that you are doing. Um, we'll pay attention, and we can't wait to see what's next. Oh, I yeah. can't wait to do something with you guys again. Oh, you yes. have to come to a cooking class, and we'll we'll film it or something. Yeah, oh, we'll, fine. We'll put it on there. <laughs> so th- I want to thank Phil too. It was great. I'm waving. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Phil, what you waving. do, yes, Phil. I'm waving. Phil, um, you connected us, and and we owe this new budding relationship. So much to you, fun, so. and I love that. I love to see new young people in our Charlotte community who who love what chefs are doing here, who want to talk about it, who want to share that with everybody else. So I appreciate everything you two are doing a lot. I still it, appreciate being called a young person here in my <laughs> mid-30s, so I'll take that as a win. Yeah, thank you, I thank mean, you. I cannot wait to come to one of your cooking classes, but let's go out to dinner sometime, Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Let's go get something to eat. So can I tell you one thing, talking about places to go to? I just want to point out a real hidden gem for people. Go for it. 7th Street Market. Oh, or the market, yes. It changed the name. The market at 7th Street. Street. But there are so many great yeah. little things. So Oscar uh, Johnson and Daryl Cooper yeah. are there with uh, Jimmy Pearls. Mm-hmm. There's Mad Dash. There's Potts. Chocolate is there mm-hmm. now. There's not just coffee. There's Orman's cheese. There's a sorted table. Oh. There's Manabella, mm-hmm. yeah. where you can get unbelievable pasta. Now, he just made a pasta with Tidewater's rice flour that is totally gluten-free. That's one of the best pastas I've ever tasted. Oh, man. And um, Rafa, Chef Raphael there is amazing. And so that is what a hidden gem of a place to go yeah. and just eat your way through. It's People should – and 90 minutes free parking uptown. That's yeah. incredible. And yeah. that's I, that's always been sort of my landing place when I park uptown for whatever reason. Because I like, I like having to walk through there. Because you always mm-hmm. see – and it's, it's shifted and changed over the years. But some of the mainstays – have been there for a while and it's nice to see sort of the crowd that's in it's a great people yeah. watching place too so. it is Gino D's is there too so yeah. you knew I would leave that. there's people <laughs> I'm leaving out but something for everyone it's great everybody it, it really should go is. and they, like the family could go and everybody can eat at a different place Optimus Hall is like that too yeah. but for some reason Optimist Hall seems to be on more people's radar it's less um, chaotic I think the, the market at 7th Street, Street is just got some real jewels in there yeah. and, and you should go I'm excited for the market to start getting um, you know it's momentum built up again because in it mm-hmm. you know pre-COVID in its heyday, there were dance lessons on Tuesday nights. There yeah. were live jazz Musicians. performances. It was really a lot of fun, and I can't wait to get back out there and, and see more people coming out again. Absolutely. Totally agree. All right. Totally well, we'll see agree. you at uh, Raclette night sometime yeah. soon. Yeah. That's great. Sounds awesome. great. Well, thank you so much again. This has been an absolute pleasure. And for this here batch, my name is Jen. My name is Abby. And this has been Amused Boosh.
queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Queen City Podcast Network.